0: Thank <laughs> you. Can you succeed in raising your children to have unshakable faith in Jesus Christ? Especially when the odds seem to be stacked so high against you. Our children are bombarded with images and messages every day that contradict the teachings of Jesus. And as parents, it's easy for us to feel outmanned and outgunned in our battle to shape their hearts and minds into committed followers of Christ. But the victory is ours for the taking. God has given us everything we need to equip our children for the life He's called them to. So join us today as we engage in the crucial conversations that will help you discover and apply the tools you need to raise your kids with unshakable faith in Jesus. And now, welcome to Unshakable Faith. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Steve Hubler, President of Legacy Family Ministries. Welcome to another episode of Unshakable Faith. I'm here with my two co-hosts, my beautiful wife, Melissa Hubler.
1: Hi, it's good to be here.
0: And Amy Sun, who is our Director of Women's Mentorship and Child Discipleship Specialist. Hello. Good to have you guys with us, and we want to welcome all of you who are joining us here today, whether you're joining us live or through our podcast, and we invite you to stay with us for the next half hour as we talk about Finding True North, the top 10 tools you'll need to raise a Christ-centered kid. Now, in today's conversations, we're going to reveal one of the most practical and influential tools that you'll need to raise your kids with an unshakable faith in Jesus, and that is coming to the place where you can live your life with a clear understanding of who you are and who God is. I say that because those two truths affect everything about how you follow Jesus and how you model following Jesus and teach following Jesus to your kids. So yes, today we're going to revisit that all-important topic of identity, and we're going to discover what it is, why it's so very important in helping our kids find true north and follow Jesus, and we're going to reveal some of the most important things that we need to know about who we are and who God is.
1: But before we get started, I want to let you know that we here at Legacy Family Ministries want parents to be equipped with resources at your fingertips so that you can develop an unshakable faith in your kids. We have a resource library that is stocked full of free tools for you. We have videos, blogs, podcasts, newsletters, and downloadable resources, and we're adding resources all the time. And the easiest way that you can access all of this is to come to our website at unshakablepodcast.com, or you can text RESOURCE to 602-878-7814, where you can get links to our downloadable resources.
0: Thanks, Melissa. Well... Before we dive into the meat of our conversation today, I want to make just two quick observations that I think are going to help set the context for our whole discussion. First of all, this metaphor that I'm using about finding true north is really all about following Jesus. He's the one who called us to follow him. We find that in Matthew 4.19. And he is the one who told us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. We find that in John 14.6. So he is the true north, that we and our children are called to follow. But we're going to need some practical Bible-based tools in order to help make sure that that happens. So that's where my second observation comes in. And that is, we can't give away what we don't have. If we, as parents, do not have the tools we need to follow Jesus present and operating in our life, at least to some degree, then we will not be able to model them and teach them to our kids in a way that they can successfully use them in their own lives. We cannot pass on beliefs and convictions that we don't really hold in our own heart. We can't pass on a faith that we don't have, and we can't model what it looks like to follow Jesus if we ourselves are not seeking to follow him. So the first step in applying what we're talking about today is to take an inventory of ourselves and see where we stand in relationship to these principles. Do We believe him. And if so, are we practicing them in our everyday lives? Of course, we don't have to be perfect in any of these things. We don't have to have achieved perfection in applying these things to our life. But if we are at least on the journey, then they'll be at work in our hearts Mm -hmm. and we can be better equipped to pass them on to our kids. Right. Make sense?
2: I think in this area, we don't have to uh, fake it till you make it. If that's a common thing that we say in America.
0: Yeah, that would be a bad move.
2: <laughs> it's okay to say to the Lord, like, I believe, help my unbelief. You know, the man mm-hmm. in scripture who said that to Jesus, he was considered to have some of the greatest faith of of all and same with our kids we don't need to fake it in front of them if we don't know an answer to something it's okay to say i don't know that but let's look and see what the bible says let's learn together mm-hmm. i think that's a great way of really passing on your faith is to grow together when you're growing together learning together there's a, a unique relationship that begins to form between parent and child Oh, Jesus.
0: Well, yeah, because it's, it's not all about doing it all right the first time. If, if we're doing what you said and learning together with our kids, if they're observing us and our victories and, and even in our challenges, then we get to model for them how to come back from those hard times, how to walk through the things that we got wrong.
2: I think our pride gets in the way often. We want to show ourselves as parents. We want to show we know everything. You follow what I say. That's not always beneficial, especially when it comes to walking in a relationship with Jesus that is so dynamic. Mm And
1: I think a lot of
2: times we have a lot
1: of head knowledge about something, whether it's about God or kids or this or that. But if we only have head knowledge, if we only have what we've ever read into a book and it hasn't seeped into our hearts, we're not going to have to pass on what we want to pass on. We need to be able to develop that deeper relationship with God where what is in our head goes into our heart. And then we can start to say, wow, I'm going to live this out differently. And I'm going to show them this differently because it's not just what I read in a book.
0: Right. Well, some of you may be asking this question. You may be saying, okay, Steve, I get that it's important for us to know the truth about who we are and who God is. But I don't really see a clear connection between that need and our ability to be successful at passing on a solid faith in Jesus to our kids. So, what exactly is the connection there? And that's really what I want to drive to next. Because it really is a great question. So, let me try to unpack it for you. There's a lot of information here, but I think it's really good stuff. I want to start with our environment, okay? Our environment. You share a common environment with your children, Even if you're divorced and are living in a shared custody situation, you still share a common environment with your kids. You share a home with them. You eat at the same table with them. Or sit together in front of the TV and eat with them. (laughs) Yeah, you share a table with them. You ride in the car with them. You go to church with them. You go to the store with them. I mean, you do life with them. You do life together. So you share space with them as you live your lives. Next... There's the whole idea of actions, okay? So let's consider our actions. Because you share space with your kids, because you live in the same environment with them, your actions are going to have an impact on them. So the words that you choose to speak, the actions that you choose to take, the reactions and nonverbal messages you allow to roll off of you, all of those things have some degree of an impact on the people around you, either for better or for worse, So let me just give you a four example here. If you walk into a room where your children are sitting and you're feeling angry you're feeling on edge and just generally irritable, because that never happened to any of us, right? (laughs) It's like, yeah, when you come home from work, especially if you're letting those things show in your posture, your expressions, your tone of voice, how do you think that's going to affect your children when you walk into the room?
1: I think it's going to do one of two things based on their past experience. They're either going to withdraw from you, or they're going to come to you and ask you what's wrong and see if you're okay.
0: Yeah.
2: Hmm.
0: Any thoughts, Amy?
2: Oh, we were just at a marriage conference recently, and one of the things she said was that coming home from work, she tries to stop just for a little bit to re kind of refocus, so that her kids aren't getting the leftovers. But when she comes home, she's either gotten a coffee or she just stopped to pray or listen to worship in the car. But a way to leave behind work and enter the home. To recalibrate. Yes, to give everything to her family now. But that is behind. It's what happened in the day. But now coming in, your kids get the best of you, not what's left over of you.
0: Right. And she was saying that because of the point we're making. right? Right. Mm -hmm. Your actions affect the people around you. I mean, I, I wish everybody in the world knew that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but they really do. So if, if we're like I described, every time we come home, that's going to have a long-term impact on our whole right. family, not just our kids, but our spouse too. Mm-hmm. Um, if we come home, you know, walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and we're full of joy and everything, that's going to have an impact mm-hmm. on our home. It's going to have an impact on our kids. So what we're like. When we walk in the door, what we're like when we're going about making dinner, cleaning up, doing chores on the weekend, all of those things, our actions are going to have an impact Mm -hmm. on our kids. So here's the point. It doesn't matter if it's a big thing or a little thing. It doesn't matter if we're modeling something godly or ungodly. The bottom line is our actions impact our children's. Our moods affect their moods. Our thoughts shape their thoughts. Our attitudes shape their attitudes, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Actions absolutely matter
1: well and it goes the other way as well it's not just that our actions shape their actions or attitudes but i know if one of my kids is just in a really sour mood there's nothing that turns me sour faster than that of having to be around them i've seen that happen i know it's crazy so but what we model to them in return because the natural instinct is to have that bad attitude just rub off but instead, if we can go to them and say, you know what, what can I do to help? Instead of being, why are you yelling at me? Um, it, it'll change that environment.
0: Yeah. So we're actually going to get to identity. But for just right now, what I want you to see is the, the relationship between environment and actions. That's what mm-hmm. we've covered so far. Okay. So now let's back it up just one step further and talk about beliefs. Peeling the onion here. What is the relationship between our beliefs and our actions? What do you guys think of, I mean, well,
2: I shooting in, from the hip immediately of danger. You know, if there's a, a dangerous situation or, or fire or something hot. It's going to change how I respond. Am I going to reach out and grab onto that hot pan? If I know it's, you know, really hot. No, it's going to change my actions. So my belief and what is, is going to change how I react to that.
1: Right. My beliefs inform my actions. If I believe that it's going to take 20 minutes to get the kids to school, then I'm going to leave 20 minutes before they're supposed to be there. Because what I believe is going to shape what I'm doing to accomplish
0: something. That's a really good example. I like that. Very practical. Yeah. You yeah. Going back to you, Amy, if you believed that, that fire wasn't going to burn your skin, you'd stick your hand in the fire mm-hmm. and then you'd get burned and you'd learn a bad lesson. And now you have a different <laughs>
1: belief. You Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, it's and and we use these simple examples just to try and point us a little bit deeper into our thinking and our and our our understanding of ourselves and how we work. Our beliefs really do shape our actions, mm-hmm. and our actions impact our children. And this happens day by day, year after year, because we share the same environment with them. So now that we've now we've connected environment to actions to beliefs. So yeah, now we get to the main point. Okay. <laughs> What is it exactly that shapes our beliefs? Hmm. That's the big question. As we collect experiences in life, and as we take in new ideas and new information, the filter that organizes all of these inputs into the beliefs that we hold deep in our heart is basically our identity. Hmm. Who we think we are, and what we think we're like, and who we think God is, and what we think He's like— those are the primary influencers that shape the inputs we receive in life into the beliefs that we hold in our hearts. So here's an example. And uh I, I'm just gonna be super simplistic here. Okay. If you this this is made up. If you've ever had the experience of 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 having a father who walked out on you when your family was young. And, uh, and that's kind of like the, the baseline that you're starting from. And then you grow a little older and you go off to college and, uh, you know, say you get a boyfriend and the boyfriend dumps you for your best friend. Now there, there's another hit in your experiences. And all along, you've been taught either directly or indirectly that, yeah, God is always with you, but he's not necessarily going to help, you know, in your circumstances. Then, I mean, if, if, if that's just kind of an example of your experiences, then chances are better than not then you're going to wind up seeing yourself as someone who is disposable because that's the way that you were treated. You were treated that way by your dad. You were treated that way by your boyfriend. Maybe there's other experiences. And if you see God God as someone who is around but not necessarily active in your life, well, then you're probably going to start to see God as someone who's not very reliable when you're in the midst of trials or difficulties or other challenges in your life.
1: And you see God as somebody who doesn't really care about you. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, he might care about somebody else, and they might believe that, but you haven't experienced his care and his love.
0: Right. And, and, and if you've got a string of experiences like that in your life, if that's the environment you've been in, the actions that have been taken, then it's going to shape the beliefs that you have if you see yourself as disposable and God as unreliable. Those are going to form the beliefs that you have in your heart, That ultimately, at the end of the day, you're going to think you're alone in this world, and you're going to have to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Now Not a
1: lot of people live in that, stand.
0: Yeah, I think most of us do to an extent, at least some time or another, mm-hmm. because of bad circumstances. But that belief is going to cause us to take actions that are either self-protecting or self-promoting or both, instead of acting with faith in a generous God who never fails you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You see how the difference is starting to pan out there? And since you live in an environment that you share with your children, if you have those beliefs— They're going to shape your actions and your choices and the behaviors that you model for them because you're going to be self-protecting and self-promoting around them. And that's going to shape them do the same types of things. So where your faith gets undermined because of the identity and the beliefs and the actions in the environment, that is going to impact your kids and how they start shaping all those things. So do you see the connection there?
2: Yeah, and I think it's important for a lot of parents to see that, too, because what I see in the local church is parents wanting their children to have a different relationship with the Lord than they have. Mm-hmm. So I see them bringing children to church and leaving them, and then they stay in the lobby or they leave and then come back and pick them up. But they're not being Their their identity in Christ is not being established. They're not growing in the Lord, but they're wanting something different for their kids, not realizing their kids are watching them. Why did you leave? It wasn't important enough for you, so why is it? Right. Well,
1: and even if they don't know that that's what has happened, that is one hour out of the entire week. So in one hour's time, they might learn something, but they're going to learn more from all of the other hours in the day and throughout the week from the time that they spend with you at home.
0: Yeah, and I know we've said this before, and I think most of us already know this, but so much more with our kids is caught and taught. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I've said before on here that uh, I watch my kids watch me. You know, they're looking at everything, and they're they're soaking it all in.
2: You know, we have that old saying in America: "Do what I say, not what I do." Mm-hmm. What a lie? <laughs> Like, that's one of the worst things that could have ever been
0: <laughs> told. It really doesn't work when you're shaping the faith of your children.
2: No, not at all. Really in any, you know, if you want your children to grow up in Christ or, or to live godly lives at all and you're not living a godly life, you, it's unrealistic expectations. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you are listening to Unshakable Faith. Today in our series on Finding True North, we're talking about understanding who God is and who you are. We have resources available to you for free on our website. If you would visit us at unshakablepodcast.com, you can see the resources available to you in our resource library. That's unshakablepodcast.com and click on Resource Library.
0: Thanks, Melissa. Well, so far in our conversation today, what we've really tried to show you is that there really is a, a, a direct connection between the, the way that we see ourselves and the way that we see God and the way that our faith is developed in our kids. Um, because identity is connected to belief. Belief forms actions. Actions that take place in an environment, and that's how we, we model and teach. So now that we better understand that connection there between identity and helping our kids be successful to follow Jesus— Let's take a closer look at just our identity piece of this. I know we've talked about this in previous conversations. And it's one of
1: our favorite conversations to have. We love talking about identity. It
0: it really is, because it's so important. Mm -hmm. But uh, when I refer to identity, I'm referring to the blueprint that God had in his heart when he first thought of you. Mm -hmm. I I borrowed that from somebody. I can't tell you who it is, but uh, some wise person taught me that. And uh, using that then as a backdrop... What do you guys think is the most important thing for us to know about our identity? Because there's so much to choose from. What do you guys think is the most important, in your opinion?
1: I love the fact that my identity was given to me by God before I was born. So, um, Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. God has a calling, a a desire, a hunger, seeds that were planted in your heart. And the fact that that's there, that gives me incredible hope that no matter where I am right now and the things that I'm struggling with, that God sees me deeply and that He
2: he loves me. He knows me. Mm I think that's so valuable. Because a lot of people don't feel seen or known by God, or they have a false belief that he put the world in motion and then stepped back Mm -hmm. out of it, and he doesn't care. He's not intimately involved. But that's not true. If he gave us an identity before the beginning of time, and now we're at this point in time with this identity, Mm -hmm. that means he's intimately involved in the world and in our lives individually. And in every single person's life out there, he wants to have that personal involvement and I think that's beautiful how much He loves us. And if people could get an understanding of how much God loves them, it's going to change everything. Mm -hmm. But I think with identity that we can trust what God says about us over what the world says. That's a really important part because we get fed lies constantly, and the devil wants to destroy us, and so he's going to feed us lies. And if we believe that over what God says about us, then we start to spiral. But if we can believe what God says is truth, we can trust Him, there's so much power Mm -hmm. in that, uh, power that comes through that relationship. But we can also ask Him to tell us, you know, if you don't know what God says about you, stop and ask. You know, Holy Spirit, who do you say that I am? But then give yourself time to listen, Mm -hmm. because you have to be able to hear His voice in response to you. But that's how it ties back to what you said, Melissa, with that intimacy, that love for us that he is involved and he wants to communicate that with us.
0: Yeah, and really what you guys shared dovetails perfectly into mine because uh, what, what I take with me into every day is that I'm not disposable. I'm adopted. I was known before the foundations of the world, like you said, Melissa. God set my identity then. Um, he revealed it to me now. And I am his chosen son.
2: Imagine what that would do to the suicide rates. To know that. Yeah. But just having that piece of understanding completely changes everything.
0: Yeah. Which kind of flips us into the next thing. What do we need to know about God?
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. I think that knowing that God is a God of abundance is huge because so often we live a life of lack we live thinking that there's just not enough, not enough time, not enough this, not enough that, and you live a life of despair because you just feel like you can never get to where you want to be. But if we start to understand that God is a God of abundance, um, and there's just, there's so many verses in the Bible that talk about that. You see it modeled, you see it displayed, um, just just with the feeding of the 5,000, that God could take five loaves and two fish and take care of the needs of thousands and thousands of people and have food Left over. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just that He provided enough, and maybe some people went home kind of hungry, but there was enough with <laughs> plenty left over. Abundance. So we see that God is a God of abundance, and mm-hmm. um, John 10.10, 10, it says that Jesus came to give life and to give it more abundantly.
2: So we really see His hunger and His heart for us to know that about Him. Mm-hmm. Well, Scripture is overflowing with the identity of God. So as you get into Scripture and you start to see from the beginning to the end names, characteristics, and personalities of who God is. He's just really shown me it's like a multifaceted diamond that I see one aspect and maybe I see a couple facets of it, but He's so deep. It goes so deep, but then you can turn it and there's more. And there's another side that I can't see from here. There's just so much to get to know about Him that the Bible has. As you read it more and more, you're going to see those different facets.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are beautiful thoughts. Um I would just add to that that uh I think one of the most powerful truths about god's identity that affects my life every day is the fact that he pursues us mm-hmm. he is our pursuer, and you know there's verses in the bible that uh, that describe that that pursuit of us you know the um gosh the with the 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 ninety nine sheep the leopard mm-hmm. the oh, one yeah. the one that's gone astray i mean things like that all throughout the bible it's like no man he's uh you're valuable enough to pursue he's the pursuer. And uh I can think of a dozen examples in my life where I was going through difficult times and in the midst of them when I finally stopped to to turn my attention back to God and basically was like, where are you? or you know, what are you doing? That sort of thing, that I there are times where I can literally feel his hand on my chest, like you put your hand on the chest of a small child. It's like I'm here, I'm with you, and I'm pursuing you even in the midst of this. mm mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, far too often we feel like, "Where are you?" That's the question we ask God. Where are you? And He's going, "I didn't go anywhere. I'm right here." Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. If we take those types of beliefs that we were just talking about, and more, because there are tons more in Scripture, and I'm sure there are there are, there are more that God will show you when you seek Him personally. Those those truths mm-hmm. will shape. Our understanding of our identity and God's identity, they will shape our beliefs. Those beliefs will shape our actions, and those actions will impact our environment, which will impact the development of our kids' faith. You have been listening to Unshakable Faith, a ministry of Legacy Family Ministries. We rely on ministry partners who join with us financially so we can produce quality resources and offer them to free for parents just like you. If you want to partner with us, please text GIVE to 602-878-7814, or you can give on our website at unshakablepodcast.com. And remember, in Legacy, you can be a pro at raising kids with unshakable faith.